0: And uh, I also want to welcome those listening on our church podcast. We broadcast all of these uh, on the church website. And uh, you can even do it the old-fashioned way. Don't get the tape, but you can get the CD. (laughs) Amen. And so, look, we're we're going to, as I mentioned in early morning prayer, we're uh, uh, going to stand in faith and agreement with you that this is going to be your best year ever so far. And like Philippians 1.6 says, uh, God started a work in all of us. Yeah? And uh, he promises in Philippians 1, six that the work that he started, he is going to oversee in our lives and through whatever series of events need to take place, uh, we're going to be led by the Spirit, by the Word, by the promises, and uh, that work that he began is going to be completed in us. And then on that day... Uh, When the Lord returns and we're caught away, we're going to forever be with Him and hear those famous words. What are those famous words? Well done! Not your steak, not your burger. Well done in your life, you good and faithful servant. So uh, thank God we're under His divine direction and uh, uh, this is going to be our best year ever so far now look uh... i didn't get a chance uh... to open uh... the study last week uh... as we got into the uh, book of exodus we've come through the book of genesis and now we're into the book of exodus uh... exodus six this week is the Torah study through exodus nine and uh, uh, since this was the first chance that I've gotten to teach in this 2021-2022 Torah cycle, I just really had felt, led of the Lord, that we uh, would uh, find it interesting if we studied some of the parallels between the Exodus that first Passover, Israel coming out of Egypt, all the plagues and everything that God uh, did uh, to bring Israel out, uh, and uh, um, look at how that relates to the final redemption. And we're going to see as this study unfolds uh, that uh, the book of Exodus in many ways and what God did for Israel is like a prototype. It's like the shadow and type of what God is going to do in the last days. Uh, And so that's our goal today is to show how that first great redemption of Israel uh, relates in many ways to the final redemption. Amen? And so, um, uh, most of you know very well that the book of Exodus tells the story of Israel's physical and spiritual redemption. It's their birth as a nation. And a lot of people get confused over God giving the Bible, the Torah, to Israel, that in some way that uh, turned into legalism. The Old Testament is legal. No, the Old Testament uh, and what God did with Israel, raising them up as a nation, birthing them as a nation, uh, He gave them rules for living, laws for life that would help them govern a nation. Amen? Anybody look around today and you see lawlessness and you realize, hey, I'm glad we have a law and order God. (laughs) Uh, And he does things decently and in order, the Bible says. And so that's what's going on with God bringing Israel out. He wants to birth them as a nation, give them the Torah. Here's how you run a society. And of course, nowadays, we have the Antichrist crowd that thinks that there's a better way than God's way. Uh, and your job and my job, while we're waiting for the Lord to return, is we need to be His light. We need to be His hands, His feet, His voice, and, uh, and occasionally, we need to protest, That ain't God's way, and so, look, you you know, everyone gets to make their choice, but I'm not down with what I'm seeing in this way or that way. And there's a better way, and God's way is the better way. So Israel is born as a nation, physically, spiritually, in the book of Exodus. But before they really enter into the blessing of the Lord... Uh, that comes with serving a mighty God. Anybody here uh, find that serving God has its advantages? (laughs) Come on, somebody. Uh, They have to go through this brutal exile, this brutal oppression and all the slavery and all the, the negative things that came under Pharaoh and in Egypt. And even though Joseph had risen to prominence, and he saved Egypt. I mean, if it wasn't for Joseph bringing Egypt, the concept of one nation under God, Egypt would have been like the rest of the nations of that, the world then. And the famine uh, would have caused economic collapse Not just in Egypt, but around the world. And so Joseph brought great prosperity to Egypt. And yet uh, in Exodus 1, uh, you find that a new pharaoh arose. And there's debate, was it the same pharaoh or was it a different pharaoh? Whoever pharaoh it was, they had selective amnesia. And whatever Joseph brought to the table and however he contributed, it got lost in translation. And uh, suddenly, instead of Joseph, his family, the Jewish people being recognized as godly people that brought Egypt great prosperity, all of a sudden a mass genocide took place. Fear came in, and uh, Pharaoh passed all these harsh decrees against the Israelites, which brought them great suffering uh, for over 200 years. And so, um, Israel lived in this tyrannical environment that uh, As the rabbis teach for 210 years, we always hear about the 400 years. The way they count that 400 years is beginning with Isaac. When you do the math, you'll realize that going all the way back to Isaac, who was a sojourner in the land of Israel, the Bible says, he was exiled even though he was in the promised land. Uh, and, uh, and that's where that uh, God's timeline and countdown clock of the 400 years actually begins. And uh, it's, uh, it's taught that in the last 80 years, uh, those were the cruelest and the harshest of all the years in exile. But God had an appointed time. Amen, And at the appointed time, all of a sudden, uh, hope revived. And there was suddenly a hope for a Redeemer, a Deliverer. Uh, And the process of great salvation, great deliverance, great redemption kicked in. And it kicked in especially when Moses was raised up by God at the tender age of 80. Amen. Uh, And he came and stood before Pharaoh as we all know the story. We've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. We see Charlton Heston declaring before Pharaoh, Let my people go. And uh, then uh, uh, all of what God had planned uh, unfolded. Now, it's probably just a coincidence. But as I was studying this, uh, one of the examples that uh, uh, came out in my study as to how does the exodus point us to the final redemption, uh, uh, it has to do with an interesting equation based on Moses' age. Uh, When God called him, he was 80 years old. And if you add the 80 years uh, uh, to when Israel was reborn as a nation, who remembers that date? Israel was reborn in 1948. If you add 80 to the 1948, you come up with 2028. We, of course, are in 2022. We just uh, uh, turned the corner on that. But if you subtract the seven-year tribulation, you get 2021. And so no one's saying that that's uh, the exact timetable that God is using. But it is coincidental, at the very least, on how Moses as deliverer, the final redemption, likened to the first redemption, uh, it's telling us, or at least it opens up the concept of, we could be very close to the coming of the Lord. And that's a good thing. Amen? And so, actually, if you think about 2021, we've experienced... Uh, birth pangs of biblical proportion like we've never seen in our lifetime? When was the last time we've seen a worldwide pandemic like the coronavirus just sweep the world and usher in all the madness that has come with that, with governments uh, being tyrannical, locking people down, forcing people to uh, do this, that, and the other thing? Uh, It's quite possible that we are in the tribulation, or at the edge of the tribulation. No man knows for sure, uh, but when you look at what's going on, uh, it it is quite possible. And that's kind of the goal of what I wanted to uh, dig into today, is to make the case that what we see in the Exodus, that general theme of redemption, Uh, is eerily similar to end-time events. Okay, so the book of Exodus, you begin to study God's judgment on Pharaoh in Egypt. And when you go into the book of Revelation, which describes end-time events, it's also a study of God's judgment on a rebellious and defiant world the book of Revelation and end time events isn't the devil doing anything. It's God saying, you know what? The clock has run out on humanity and I'm going to set in motion a variety of things And those are judgments on a rebellious world, but it's leading us into a great redemption. All the plagues in Israel were building to a point that would bring redemption to God's people. And everything you see in Revelation is very, very similar. Now, in the the book of Exodus, there's ten plagues. In the book of Revelation, there's 21 plagues as part of the tribulation. And those plagues in Exodus, those plagues in Revelation intensify as time goes on. But all of that is done by God, not so much as a punishment, but as a wake-up call. That there is someone in charge that controls this universe and his name is Jehovah, Yahweh, and his son Jesus Christ. They're in charge. And we can come under their covering and be blessed and experience the joy of God, the peace of God, the blessing of God. Or we can rebel and refuse But for those that rebel and refuse, we already have history in advance. We know what's going to happen. And so, uh, each is not only a picture, each meaning Exodus and Revelation, end times, uh, it's not only a picture of God trying to bring people to their senses, nations to their senses, to repentance, it's also a picture of God's amazing grace. Somebody, uh, a lot of preachers in Christianity preach, there was no grace until Jesus came. They forgot to read uh, Exodus. (laughs) How does a nation in slavery for hundreds of years ever break free from that except by a miracle intervention by a supernatural God that brings amazing grace? Exodus and Israel coming out of Egypt is a picture of God's grace. The book of Revelation is a picture of God's grace because people get saved. There is a worldwide revival during the tribulation led by 144,000. And those 144,000 are Jews that realize Yeshua is the Messiah. And they're stimulated by two witnesses, the Bible says. In the first uh, redemption, God sent two witnesses, Moses and Aaron, to stand before Pharaoh. In Revelation, God sends two witnesses to stand in Jerusalem and declare before the Antichrist and the rebellious nations of the world that there is a one true God. And those that believe in the one true God, Jehovah, Yahweh, and His Son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, you will be saved. And of course, uh, uh, we won't go into all, the, but uh, it, it, it's very, uh, a very miraculous scene, just like with Moses and Aaron. Some say it's Moses and Elijah, some say it's Elijah and Enoch are the two witnesses of Revelation. But whatever, whoever they are, uh, they're declaring the power, the sovereignty, uh, uh, the will of God uh to the nations and so uh that's amazing grace the salvation message is amazing grace and so when uh, uh another similarity here is when god brought israel out of egypt in the initial exodus it culminated in a miraculous parting of the red sea and the complete annihilation of pharaoh's army right? This all points to the battle of Armageddon. Because there's coming a day on God's calendar at the end of the seven-year tribulation where the armies of heaven, that includes you and I, when when we go to heaven, we don't get a harp in a cloud. (laughs) Contrary to popular belief, (laughs) No, we get trained in heaven on being a part of the army of God. We get divine assignments. And at the right time, we're dispatched from heaven back to earth to battle the armies that have assembled against Israel and the Jewish people in a place called Armageddon. Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo in the north of Israel. And all the armies... Whether they be from the north, the south, the east, and the west, whoever's going to rise up against God, they're going to be annihilated. Amen? You can't fight against God and win. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And so, uh, all the armies of the Antichrist are destroyed. But there's something interesting that happens When Israel witnesses this destruction of their enemies led by Pharaoh on the other side of the Red Sea, Uh, there's a famous song, we used to sing it back in the 80s when I first got saved, about the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Who was back in the 80s with me singing that crazy song? Amen? Well, that's Miriam's song. Out of Exodus 15. And it begins with, they sang, uh, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumph gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. That's how we sang it. I'm sure Miriam sang it better. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, But here, why am I bringing that up? Because this song turns up in Revelation. This is one of the few uh, uh, things that gets overlooked in the Bible. If you go over to Revelation 15, you'll find that uh, uh, the saints in heaven are singing Moses' song, Miriam's song, along with the song of uh, the Lamb of God. And in Revelation 15, 3, it says, "...and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying... Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord? Glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And so there's a whole lot of singing going on in heaven. And it's just interesting because in traditional church, we don't want to see any connection between what God was establishing in the Old Testament and how it carries over into the New Testament. Jesus didn't come to terminate the Old Testament. He came to make it more alive than ever before. Hallelujah. And here you see evidence of that. If if God terminated the Old Testament then what is Moses doing in the New Testament in heaven? Why are they singing his song? Moses and Jesus aren't in heaven in a big argument. I'm right. No, I'm right. I'm right. I'm No, that's all replacement theology, uh, traditional church, anti-Jewish theology that we've been fed for 1,800 years. But in these last days, God is tearing down that wall of division, that wall of hatred, and showing us it's all inspired by God. Every word in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God-inspired, God-breathed, and there's value, there's truth, there's breakthrough promises carrying on all the way through. Amen? And so, when you think about God's judgment, whether it be in the Exodus or in the end times in the book of Revelation, it's clear that He doesn't need ten plagues. He's God. Why do I need 10 plagues? In Revelation, why do I need 21 plagues? Why do I need 7 scrolls, 7 trumpets, 7 vials, as it's described in Revelation? Can't God just nuke them all? All the enemies of God get nuked with one word. Why doesn't God just nuke all the enemies with one big bolt of lightning? Well, because God's not willing that any should perish. But that all would come to a knowledge of the truth. And he uses biblical style plagues, natural disasters as it were, acts of God as sometimes the insurance company calls it, uh, to uh, help people realize you're not in control of everything. Right? You're not uh, as secure as you think you are. Uh, and if you dare step out underneath the umbrella of God's love, God's protection, God's safety, God's covering, you're on your own. And it leads to all the things that we see happening. People just thinking, uh, I have a better way than God's way. So, uh, uh, in, in the tribulation period or in the period of uh, the Exodus, God's purpose is always to redeem people. And you and I need to remember that as believers. That, yeah, we uh, can want to throw the book at people. It's so funny how Christians criticize the Jews for being legalistic, but the minute we get saved uh, by amazing grace, we want to throw the book at others and judge them and criticize them and run them down for their lifestyle and behavior and never realize it's the goodness of God. How many of you have experienced the goodness of God? Come on, somebody. So, this was the point of why God kept sending Moses back to Pharaoh. Uh, In Jewish wisdom, that whole process took about ten months. Each plague lasted about ten months. There was Moses announcing the plague, which would last a period of time. Then there was a decision making time for the Pharaoh to decide am I going to honor uh, what Moses is saying and obey that or not? And then there was the plague itself, and then there was the after the plague. And so, about a month, uh, uh, a month long process for each of the 10 plagues. But the point is, each plague, each step of the way, uh, contained a judgment, but it also contained an opportunity to acknowledge God. You know, when you think about Pharaoh's hard heart, Uh, You really need to study that out. God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart for the first five plagues. You can go back through. We don't have time today to do it. But you can go back through and you'll see that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And he kept making decisions And he kept trying to play Moses and play God to get his way while trying to shuck and jive, thinking, well, I'm going to trick God into thinking, I'm really down with what you're saying. Uh, But he hardened his own heart. You know, it's kind of like, um, I know a little bit about this, uh, being a drug abuser. You know, when you're, what's the worst drug out there right now? Yeah, fentanyl, heroin, cocaine, whatever, crystal meth, uh, opioid crisis is really sweet. But really, the worst one is the first one. The worst one is the first one. And... It happened to me, maybe you know, that could have happened to you, you know somebody. you just, you know, you stick your foot in that world, and all of a sudden it's the frog in the kettle. And pretty soon it goes from free will to you've surrendered your will, and all you can think about, all you can live for, all you crave is the next buzz. And this is what's going on with Pharaoh he on his own decided 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 this is what i'm going to do this is how it's going to be but at some point he was so consumed so overwhelmed that uh, you y- you end up hardening your own heart and you're just you can't hear anything else how many of you know people hooked that can't hear any truth they can't, all they know where's my next fix and so that's what's going on with Pharaoh there, but God still, in His grace and His mercy, was allowing people uh, to repent, and we're going to see that in the final redemption too. Uh, and And so we don't know just when all of this in the final, the end, when all of this is going to um, uh, actually happen. Could we be? Uh, at the very edge of the end of the age, I tend to think so. Um, I, I know that uh, uh, a, f- a few months ago, in October, I had uh, we had done together a study where you here when we studied on the four horsemen of Revelation, uh, Nimrod in. Uh, uh, in the Torah portion of Noah is a type of the Antichrist and I got fascinated with studying about the first plagues in the end times are released uh, and they're the four horsemen or the four spirits that are released upon the world the white horse, the black horse, the red or the red horse, the black horse and the pale horse And uh, it's it's very interesting because these four horsemen, these four spirits, are given power to control many things on earth. And the very first of the four horsemen is the white horse. And the Bible says in Revelation, uh, he's ridden by a conqueror who goes conquering. And most people through the ages have always thought this was the Antichrist. I kind of disagree with that. Uh, uh, but it may be true, it may not be true. Uh, I just believe it's a spirit of the age where the secular, humanistic, globalist, antichrist crowd wants to seize control, wants to silence Christianity, wants to silence Judaism, wants to put people in bondage, and the white horse is the release of that. And so, uh, uh, the horse and its rider intend to conquer humanity through deception. To put people under a counterfeit spirit of authority and dominion. Man, we see that right now. The whole world is being locked down. They have concentration camps uh, that they're sending people to that won't take the COVID vaccine. (laughs) It's pretty bizarre, right? And I was just reading the other day that in Sweden now, they're putting chips. Your vaccination status is in a chip in your wrist. (laughs) Ever hear anything about that, right? And so... Uh, this person on the white horse, this prevailing spirit, I believe, many believe, is going to impose a secular, non-spiritual, religious level fervor around the world that comes with its share of promises. You know, And so, uh, could this be what we're seeing now in America and around the world? Maybe yes. Uh, but I do see right now that there's a blatant attempt to eliminate one nation under God and turn it into one nation under government. <laughs> but I don't serve, you don't serve, we don't serve Jehovah Washington. <laughs> we serve Jehovah Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Rohai, and on and on. Amen? So... <clears throat> When you study this, uh, the, the the white horse and the rider, the, the rider holds a bow with no arrows. There's no mention of arrows. And so the symbolism of that is, yeah, he he has a level of power, but because there's no arrows, it's probably not a military conflict. Because without the arrows... Uh, You just don't get that level of warfare. Uh, And so the Bible says that this conqueror wears a crown. And here's what blew my mind. uh, Is that when uh, you look up the Latin word for crown, it's the word corona. Corona. Crown in Latin is Corona. Now, is the coronavirus is what we're seeing happen? Uh, is that the uh, uh, the four horsemen being released? Well, if it's not, I believe it's the four Shetland ponies. <laughs> Amen. Because coronavirus has swept the world, uh, and and. We're into our third year on this thing now. And people that don't love God, people that have power, they don't want to relinquish that power. It's the old saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. They're not using their power to bless people. You don't lock down kids for two years unless you want them socially undeveloped. Educationally undeveloped. Oh, if they have Zoom meetings. Okay. All right. So we're just seeing a level of political, uh, governmental, medical, and uh, big tech warfare using deception uh, to take control. So uh, I was uh, reading uh, uh, on a, a rabbi site, who is the rabbi of King David's tomb. Who's ever been to Israel? Uh, yeah, you, you may then have been to King David's tomb down past the uh, uh, the Zion Gate uh, on Mount Zion. And uh, it, he has a quote in one of the articles that was written uh, uh, that quotes biblical sources from, you know, Thousands, several thousand years ago, that uh, all the plagues that came upon Egypt will reappear in the final redemption, but in even more powerful forms. And of course, what happened with the plagues in Israel was uh, localized uh, in Egypt. But what's happening in Revelation is, in a big way, worldwide stuff. And so, uh, that's what the more powerful form is. In ancient Jewish wisdom, a key scripture that they study uh, and they use to connect the Exodus with the end times is Micah 7.15. If you have your Bible, open it up and mark that in there. Uh, But it's interesting... That most translations don't give you the fullness of the meaning of Micah 5:7, uh, or excuse me, Micah 7:15. Uh, I went into the Jewish study Bible, a great study Bible. You won't find that on Bible Gateway. It's a Jewish publication. But uh, their rendition of Micah 7.15 says, I will show him wondrous deeds as in the days when you sallied forth from the land of Egypt. And this, the great rabbis say, this is what connects the exodus to the final redemption. It's also written in uh, ancient Jewish literature that just as God struck the Egyptians with ten plagues, so too He will strike the enemies of the Jewish people at the time of the redemption. Uh, it goes on to teach, just as in Egypt, I shall redeem you in the future from subjugation to Edom and shall perform miracles for you as it says, as in the days of your leaving Egypt, I shall display miracles. Another translation of Micah seven fifteen. And so what we're doing here is just trying to take what God is doing in the book of Exodus with Israel on one level and show us how that's pointing us to what's going to happen at the end of days. And yeah, there's going to be plagues. Yes, the enemies of God are going to be defeated. And best of all, you and I are, that right now we're, as it says in Romans 8, the whole world groaneth for redemption.